This podcast contains general health information and shouldn't be relied on as medical advice. For health concerns, speak to your doctor. HCF doesn't endorse any statements or opinions made during the podcast. If the podcast makes you feel depressed or anxious and you need to talk to someone straight away, call Lifeline on 131114. We all have different lives and parenting challenges. And yes, we all question ourselves, wondering if we're doing it right. These days, it's so easy to compare yourself to other parents, your friends or people on social media who all seem to be perfect parents. Just remember, they're not. It is natural to feel inadequate or question the way you parent. I know I do. So how do you parent the right way? And how do you know when to let go and allow our kids to fail or learn on their own, to make decisions with life-changing consequences and meaning? Today, our guest tells us about what's happening in their life and how they're managing. And remember, what helps one child may be completely different for another child. Hi, Jessica Rowe here, and welcome back to the Navigating Parenthood in Perfect Parents podcast, brought to you by HCF, Australia's largest not-for-profit health fund. Our next guest has two children, an 11-year-old and 12-year-old, and at the moment their device and screen time has become a bit of an issue. The internet can be a wonderful place, but it's also filled with things that we don't want our kids to find. So when do we give them autonomy to make their own decisions on the internet? Okay, to protect our guest's identity, we won't be using her name or her children's names. But welcome. Thank you so much for being here with us today. It's great to have you here. It's a pleasure. I am in the midst of this technology issue as well, with my daughters being a very similar age to your kids. Fill me in on your kids and what it is they love about technology. They seem to love everything about it, judging by the amount of time they spend on it. I think that they love the fact that they don't have to give any thought to what to do next because something pops up for them. And if one thing is boring on YouTube, there's another app they can look at or a game they can play or somebody they can message. Um, but I don't, I've never actually asked them what they what they love about it. But isn't that interesting that... that become such a force in our lives and our families' lives, but you haven't actually said to them, what do you love about this? Why is this something that you feel you need to do? Mm. But I, I think that probably applies to adults too. Why is it that we all reach for our phones when we when the bus is going to come in 90 seconds and we think, oh, we could see if there's an update? So I guess that's happening to kids too, but they perhaps don't know it. And it's that idea of instant gratification. I think we're going to talk about some of the downsides of technology, but of course I think it's important to recognise there are some positives, aren't there? Have you seen that in your home? Yeah, there's certainly positives. Um, my um, eldest, oh, he's 12, and he um, built his own PC last year. 
simply based on videos he's watched on YouTube. So he worked out that to get a gaming PC, he couldn't afford to buy the one he wanted. But if he put together all the components and bought um, cheaper versions of some things and more expensive versions of others, he could build the PC that he wanted. And he somehow managed to make it work. And I was shocked when he turned it on and it played the games he wanted to play. So that's pretty amazing because when I was 12, there was no way I was building a PC. That is phenomenal, isn't it? Yeah, amazing. I I mean, our kids, I like to sort of joke with my youngest daughter. She's like my IT help desk. (laughs) She knows far more about what I need to do either to sort out my computer or phone or whatever it is that that I need to do. So, so yes, there are some, some pluses with technology. But you, though, have had some experience with some of the downsides. And perhaps you could share with us what had happened to your daughter, who's 11. Yes, sure. So at the time she was 10, um, we had been, we were quite, we thought we were quite savvy about um, tech and the dangers of it. I'd been to um, on online seminars and in-person workshops on protecting your children from tech. So we thought we had some pretty good restrictions in place and we were monitoring what was going on. But the start of homeschooling meant she took my laptop to homeschool with and she took my old phone so she could FaceTime with her friends. And we'd be watching what she was doing a bit, but, you know, she was in a bedroom. And then one day in, I think it was middle of the year, we got a call from the school to say that there had been some issue with a WhatsApp group and some comments had been made in this small closed group that about somebody else in the class. They weren't mean comments, they were, they were silly. They were talking about somebody, a, a boy in the class that had done something she thought was wrong and they were all saying silly things like, I don't like him. And somebody from that group had then screenshotted the chat and put the screenshot on a broader group chat that included the boy that was being talked about. And then it appears that the parents of the boy who were probably monitoring the chats more than I was had understandably seen a group talking about their son and thought, this is not right. Um, So this all came to our attention um, a couple of days after the post had been made. It was, it was, we had to talk to, talk to my daughter about what had happened. She at first sort of saying, oh, but it was just a joke and we were just being silly. Um, And we, we talked to her about, well, you might think it's silly, but the person who, who then sees comments about themselves you know, found that obviously perhaps scary or sad or felt embarrassed because it was done in front of a broader group of people. And how did you feel though? Was there a sense of when you first heard about this, were you angry with your daughter or upset or a bit bemused? I I suspect probably all of those emotions and more um, within the first three seconds of finding out, thinking, what's going on? How didn't I know this was happening? A bit guilty and then thinking, hang on, how how can I possibly be across every chat that my daughter's on? Um, It was a real eye-opener as to what happens on these group chats that I wasn't really aware of. We can't expect our children just to, um, to, to never make mistakes. Uh, It's just unfortunate in this world their mistakes and their comments are um, made more concrete by the fact they're written down and that other people get to see them. And I suppose the thing is too, 
just the way we're not perfect parents, our kids aren't perfect either. And they are trying to make sense of the world around them. And unlike us, how they connect with their friends is through these devices. That is how they stay in touch. And I used to, you know, I'd be on our old sort of telephone and I'd be on the phone for hours when I come home from school and then I'd hear my mum picking it up to basically say, get off the phone. Yes, I remember that. Yes. And so we were able, or our parents were able to control that more. And and I think sometimes I know as a parent where I struggle is that I suddenly feel like there's this whole peer group of my daughters who I'm not privy to. That yes, they've got their friends at school who you might know about family friends and things, but then there's all these other people that they are interacting with and we don't know who they are. And I was shocked at the language being used, that language I've never heard my children or their friends use, but in person, but they appeared to be pretty uh, fluent um, with both with the actual words and um, acronyms of them on on the chats. It is, isn't it? I think that's... It's called smacking sometimes. And also to on those chat groups or online or Instagram through Snapchat, whatever it is, whatever sort of device your kids might be using, they're saying things that they would never say to Mm. someone face-to-face. And sometimes I think they forget about the consequences and the power of those words. They think it's just the throwaway comment. But it can be very hurtful because... Am I right to say that with your daughter as well, she had some other more awful incidents happen? Well, so when we we looked into this WhatsApp issue and we thought, oh, okay, well, just a one-off chat. We've done that. We call that now, tick (laughs) Tick. that box. And now now (laughs) mummy's going to keep reading your WhatsApp messages. Um, But... In the course of then going back through some older chats and just having just having a look at what was going on, we then found um, something that was a lot more awful had the had the potential to be horrific, but thankfully it, it wasn't. Um, and that was a screenshot that she had taken of a website that appeared to be a video with um, people you don't know, video chats um, with whoever, whichever random person was at the other end of the line. So I'd never heard of this thing. And um, I, my mind immediately went to porn. What on earth had she seen? How had she come across this idea to look at this website? Um, my son, who's two years older, I asked him and he he vaguely heard the name Um but it wasn't something that I talked about with other parents as, as a, a, an app to watch out for. But and what did you do? So you discovered, oh, my goodness, this is what this particular video app is. Did you sit down and talk with your daughter about it? Um, we did a bit of investigation ourselves to find out what this thing was. Um, but, yes, we had a lot of questions for our daughter and wanted to understand um, what, well, what she'd seen, how she'd, how she'd come to find it. Um, but we were also worried, you know, what what if she's seen something awful and, um, you know, what are we going to do to manage that? Also concerned, well, what what had she shown of herself? Could the, Is there a risk that there was something about her now? Like, God forbid she'd done something off, you know, off the charts, like not had clothes on or something awful like that. Um, where would images of our daughter end up? So the next day we had a chat with her. Um, and 
uh, it was quite a difficult conversation to have because we we talk a lot, but this, I guess, was... I was asking quite direct questions by the end because I just wanted to, I guess, ensure that I had asked all of those questions and not be left wondering. Um, so we started off sort of at the lighter end of what is it? Um, how did you come to be looking at it? Uh, and she told us that it was um, something she'd seen on TikTok. And then we had to ask the more difficult questions about what had she seen and it seemed that she hadn't seen very much. I think they, uh, she was with a, a friend and they had clicked on it and I think almost immediately perhaps had realised they didn't want to be there. Um, I did ask her very direct questions about, did you see um, anybody naked? Um, and she said no. I then had to ask her, did she have all of her clothes on and she looked at me as if to say, Mum, of course I did. Why How would embarrassing. I yeah, why would I not have any clothes on? <laughs> and I said, okay, well I just had to ask. She didn't seem to think it was as big a deal as I did. Um and then we talked about the risks as to uh you don't know who's out there and you don't know what they're what they're doing it for and um They've got to learn how to manage the things that they are inevitably going to see. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I haven't got the answer for how often to raise these sorts of conversations. Also, too, on on social media, there are, though, some positives. I know during um, with the lockdown and COVID and things, especially my eldest daughter, she was able to still feel connected yeah. with her friends, even though she was missing them terribly. And it was one way they could all stay in touch. So that was a real positive and yeah. wanting to try and highlight those good points and I suppose protect them from, from, from the negativity. What about with your elder son, with your son, that conversation around porn? Because often it seems to be not generalising, I haven't got the statistics, but normally it's boys who are more drawn to that sort of content than girls. Yeah. So um, we've had the conversation a couple of times now. Um, perhaps I'm being naive. I don't think he is... Um, it sounds horribly naive. I suspect all the listeners are going, yeah, right, of course he's seen it. He's 12, <laughs> nearly 13. Um, when I've talked to him, he has... Uh, he, he doesn't seem to be curious to see that sort of thing. When I ask what he's watching, it's always such, you know, he's watching people are going down water slides in America or, you know, people on, on roller coasters. And it seems still, um, you know, harmless fun. And he, I hear him giggling and I go upstairs and he's watching things like that. Or, um, But I'm conscious that we're, I'm now right in the zone for um, other children um, showing him stuff, particularly I think kids who have older siblings who perhaps it's a bit more normalised in their house. You know, he's our oldest and he hasn't, so he's perhaps a bit more naive um, than some other 12 and 13 year olds. Um, yeah, look, I think it's just a constant conversation, but I think also it's not just a conversation about porn or about what they might see. It's just a conversation about stuff they're interested in Um because sometimes I have to sit and listen to him talk about building a PC and I think, oh, I can't listen to this anymore. But I, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, well, if he's talking to me about this, what he's building or what he's looking at online, then I guess I'm hoping that if there was anything else he wanted to talk about, it would come out in those moments. So um, perhaps that's a bit calculated, but I do sometimes um, think 
I guess keeping the conversation going about whatever they want to talk about is um, is the way that we're going to be able to talk more easily about difficult things. And there's nothing wrong with being calculated because I think the key really is the conversation yeah. for our kids to know come and talk to us, even regardless of what you might be either embarrassed about or what's going on, please talk to us. Yeah, yeah. And I think also it's finding other people that they might feel confident talking to. So when when my daughter um, had this incident last year, I, I was sort of disappointed that she didn't want to talk to me. Um, but she did actually, she talked, she's a teacher she's very close to at school, she did talk to her. And so I felt whilst I was gutted that it wasn't me she was confiding in, I thought, well, she if she's confiding in somebody, that is, that's also a good thing. What about after this had happened with your daughter? Did you change the rules around technology at home? We did. Um... I didn't want to have a knee-jerk reaction and whip all screens away from our children to say, you will never be allowed a device again until you can pay for your own. Um, so the first thing we did was realising how influential TikTok had been on our daughter and deciding that um, whilst I don't necessarily agree of banning all banning things, we reflected that actually perhaps she was being too influenced by something and we should have a break from that. So we don't have TikTok in our house anymore, um, both for my now 11-year-old and soon-to-be 13-year-old. Um, we also got one of those, um, we used one of those uh, parental control um, apps to so that we could see um, at all times what apps were on our children's um, devices and limit their screen time that way. Um, although... I must admit that six months down the line, that has crept to a longer screen time than we initially wanted. <laughs> but, but that's that's hard, isn't it? And I and I, I'm keen to know when you did say we're no more TikTok, no more of this. Was there an argument over that? No, there wasn't actually. I think my daughter realised that, um, or she, well, whether she realised it or not, she actually was accepting of some punishment. Um, so we, TikTok went and there was actually no pushback on that, which was great. Uh, my daughter, we said she actually couldn't access, she couldn't have her phone for the rest of the school term. Um, and she accepted that. Uh, and we told my son that we were going to be monitoring WhatsApp messages a bit more. Now it's easy to say, but the reality of looking at children's chat, which is so inane, (laughs) hi, hey, hi, hi, as 40 children all say hi to each other. And as you scroll down and you realise you've been going for 10 minutes and you've only gone through 30 seconds worth of messages that you think this is not going to work, I'm not going to be able to do this every day. It's just all almost futile. But I thought um, as long as they know that we are going to just randomly and uh, look at look at what's been said, and I also actually, when I did find things, not necessarily anything that my children or my son had said, but things that his friends were saying, um, which were not awful, but I would just think there was a comment made about somebody, um, a girl, and I said, hey, if that person saw that comment, they would be very very upset. So it was sort of. In a sense, it was a good opportunity to be able to talk to them about things get sailing a bit too close to the wind. Um, I mean, I'd like to think that they took that on board and it didn't just go out the other ear because I think the reality is once they're in a chat, 
they're so impulsive that they just write things and they don't reflect because they're they're doing this at sort of 100 miles an hour. So we we did get rid of TikTok and, and, and WhatsApp. And then after a term, um, my daughter asked to have her phone back and we said she could, but she couldn't have TikTok and that perhaps she should be a bit more circumspect about WhatsApp groups. I had the tendency as well sometimes to sort of come down hard and say, okay, this is what we're going to do. These are the new rules. And then everyone sort of slips back into things. And and with, I suppose, school holiday time or other periods of time when kids are at home for extended periods, Mm. which they have been a lot of late, you sort of think, oh, well, gives them something to do. And and so I suppose in a way that's a bit of a positive. Have you seen any positive change since you have made those changes around the technology and the apps and, and the discussions? Um, I think so. I don't want to pat myself on the back too much because I suspect it's it's patting yourself on the back generally precedes a great fall. Um, so I have noticed with WhatsApp, um, she has taken herself off chats. Um, I've noticed that she is posting less, uh, which I think is a is a good sign. My son, who has Instagram, very rarely posts or comments, but I think it's something that has to really be an ongoing conversation because inevitably, as time goes by, uh, they're going to get older and want to do more. And so um, I am conscious I have to keep monitoring it and the times I pick up their phone to monitor it are becoming fewer and further between. Thank you so much for this conversation around technology and try to manage our kids. I know I'm still in the midst of it and I don't think there are any hard and fast rules, but but we're doing our best, which is the main thing. Thank you so much for sharing your family's experience with us. Pleasure. Time for Lydia Black from Psych to You to help us with a few device time questions. Lydia, as a parent, I want to know what are the correct rules for devices? I mean, you're a parent and a psychologist. I want to know how do you manage screen time in your house? Probably not well at times, to be honest. I, I think, you know, this is something that every parent grapples with and it is it is something that I struggle with as well. Um, there is no right way to manage screen time um, that, that is easily defined, I don't think, Jess. I think it's a matter of figuring out what's right for you and your family and also your individual children. One of the, um, one of the tools that I use is an app that is on my phone that monitors um, when my son's internet turns off at night time um, so I don't have to stay up and, and make sure he's off. The internet switches off automatically and it also has filters for different types of content. So, you know, there's lots of different apps and, and, and um, devices out there to help us with our devices and with monitoring um, online content. And I think for, for a lot of parents, it's a really it's a really tricky area because it's a whole new world in terms of getting up to speed with what's out there and what we need to protect our kids from. 
Our guest spoke about some of the the apps that she was even unfamiliar with as a parent. I think we do put so much pressure on ourselves to be across it all. And Lydia, I've got to say, it's so freeing hearing that you, a psychologist, someone who is meant to have all the answers, also grapples with this particular issue. You've explained how with your kids, you know, they deal with technology in different ways. Are there, though, I suppose, some hard and fast rules or some good rules that we could use within our own families that you think work? Well, I think there's definitely um, some guidelines in terms of ages. So, you know, our little possums, our little, you know, babies through to four or five or six probably should really have minimal, minimal screen time. Um, And you know, we're talking probably more about small screens here. So as opposed to TVs or, or those kinds of devices. So we're talking iPads and, and iPhones and things like that. And and the reason is, is that obviously at that age, the brain is is really in, in an amazing stage of development. There's so much going on from a neurocognitive perspective. And so we really want to foster a really um, broad um, exposure to the world, not just limiting it to to screens. Um, With screens that are interactive, like an iPad or an iPhone or similar, there's there's an interaction that occurs and a child will get immediate gratification. And what that means is, you know, they're pressing a screen or a button or something similar, they're getting a noise or a response or a reward and their brain's getting a reward, right? So an immediate feedback, which... Isn't, isn't a problem in short bursts because obviously that's part of life. There are some things that we do where we get immediate feedback. But if we are allowing our young children to have a lot of exposure to that immediate gratification, their brain becomes adapted to that and becomes very used to that and needy of that, which then means that they might, they might and obviously this is not for all children, but some children will then possibly find it harder to have sustained attention what about, can we move on to now the relationship between screen time and parents feeling like, you know, we're failing in some way, you know, failing being the key word here that you feel like you're forever chasing your tail and sort of nagging your kids to get off the phone, but still nothing is working. How can we deal with that as a parent? Yeah, um, I need I need some help with that too. I really do. <laughs> So we're all in the same boat. <laughs> Absolutely. Just today I had that conversation with my son, um, you know, saying to him, it's time It's time to have a break. You really don't need to have that on right now. And he's saying, but why? And I'm trying to justify it and he's always got an answer back at me, you know. So it is, it's a constant battle and I'm constantly thinking to myself, oh, my gosh, am I doing damage allowing him to have this amount of screen time? And and I think it is, it's, it's really hard for parents. It's really hard. And I think what we can do is try and communicate with our children about why we feel the need to limit their screen time. Explaining to kids that their brains are developing and growing. And it's a bit like if you went to the gym and you just worked out with one arm and left the other arm not worked out. That arm, that one arm is going to get really strong and it's a bit like that in the brain, you know, if kids are constantly using screens, that part of their brain that's great at working screens is getting really strong. What about that other part of their brain? What about the other parts that need nurturing and 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 fulfilling? So I think communicating with our kids, helping them to sort of be a part of the solution 
is really important. Being able to say to them, well, what do you think is reasonable? And let's have a look at what the science is saying. Why, why do we need to sort of limit your time and help them to be a part of that conversation? So as you say, have the conversation, obviously depending on what age they're at, but having that conversation so they feel like they are involved in the process. You're not just simply saying to them, hand it over, turn it off, you've been on it for too long. Absolutely. And, you know, I use this this mantra with, with, with all aspects of parenting, not just screen time, but allowing children to have a perceived sense of control. And the key word there is perceived because what we're doing, hopefully, when we're negotiating with kids is that we're actually giving them a couple of options that we prefer and they're choosing one of those. So they feel like they're in control. Creating a perceived sense of control when it comes to switching off or giving back a, a device will then create less, there's less animosity, there's less dictatorship occurring in that in that interaction. And so children are much more likely to feel in control and to feel like they can hand it back without screaming and shouting and, and defying. Oh, I like that. I'm going to attempt that, I think, Lydia. But picking up on that idea of control, I know as a parent, sometimes with the the whole social media and things, I can feel a bit out of control as a parent because I think I don't know who my kids are interacting with. I don't know all of these people. How is it that we can teach our kids or show our kids to be safe online? Yeah, absolutely. Another really tricky, tricky thing for parents these days. And the most important thing is that we're explaining to our children what the risks are in a safe way, in a in a obviously not too explicit way, um, not in a scary way, but in a, in a way that helps them to understand that this is about us looking after them, just like we would on the street. We don't want them to walk up to a complete stranger on the street and start talking to them. Um, and, and it's the same when you're when you're when you're working online. Such, such good advice there. Finally, though, I think it's important to point out that being online can be positive. There's plenty of great things about social media, about the net, about communicating and connecting with one another in this way, because there are some really good resources that children and teens can access, aren't there, Lydia? Oh, definitely. There's so many wonderful resources out there. And, you know, from a personal perspective, I I have the I have online gaming to thank for some of my son's really great friendships. He was struggling socially. He made some amazing connections online with some kids from school. He then returned to school with some really wonderful relationships because they had bonded online. Society's getting better. We're, we're all getting better. We're starting to catch up, I think, in terms of um, providing online um, sites that are appropriate to children. Um, for example, you know, kid, YouTube for kids and, and different things like that that put some structure around what kids can access. So when we are using the right resources, using the right filters, I think it's a wonderful place. And, you know, my daughter this morning was was in the middle of doing some coding and then she did some artwork online and then she sat down and did some writing, you know. So it's all about balance it's all about being able to kind of figure out, is this helping my child develop? And if the answer to that is yes, great, bring it on. But obviously within the limits of what's reasonable. It's such an important perspective. And of course, as well, there is mental health support available online. Can you make some recommendations, Lydia? Definitely. Yeah. 
So most of us have heard of Beyond Blue and, and the reason for that is because it is a really brilliant site and there is just so many different um, pages within the Beyond Blue website to help families um, with all sorts of issues from mental health through to, um, you know, internet um, monitoring, all those sorts of things, so much information out there. Um, there's a website called Head to Health, um, which is a government one, headtohealth.gov.au, and that is a relatively new website that basically brings together all of the resources that are out there. So you put in a search and it comes up with a, with a range of different sites that you might go to that can help you with that particular area that you're concerned with. Um, Emerging Minds, Kids Helpline, Lydia, thank you for those great tips that you've got there. No problem. Thanks, Jess. Lydia Black from psych to you with some important information there about how we can manage our kids online. Podcasts can be put into the good technology basket. Thanks for listening to this episode of Navigating Parenthood. All the episodes are available now. And if you happen to start here, I encourage you to listen to all of them because they're packed with great information. For information seekers, our website, hcf.com.au forward slash podcast features further reading and resources. And if you like what you hear, please subscribe, rate and review and share it with your friends. Always remember, if you're feeling depressed or anxious and need to talk to someone now, call Lifeline on 13 11 14. There are people and resources out there to help you. Head to Reach Out Parents at parents.au.reachout.com or find excellent help with HCF's partner, Psych2U, an online telehealth psychological service for HCF members and all Australians at psych2u.com.au. HCF shows uncommon care. Our holistic mental health and wellbeing program helps the whole family, giving eligible members quicker and easier access to the care they need. See hcf.com.au forward slash mental dash support for more. I'm Jessica Rowe. You are doing a great job. Thanks for listening. <laughs>